0: In the three-year period which followed the murder of President Kennedy and Lee Harvey Oswald, 18 material witnesses died. Six by gunfire, three in motor accidents, two by suicide, one from a cut throat, one from a karate chop to the neck, three from heart attacks, and two from natural causes. A study by the London Sunday Times concluded that on November 22, 1963, the odds against these witnesses being dead by February 1967 were one hundred thousand trillion to one. In the time period ranging from November 22, 1963 to August of 1993, that number jumped to over 115 witnesses, yes, 115, that had died or fallen victim to death by strange circumstances, suicides, or murder. That last comment on the deaths of assassination witnesses was published in a tabloid companion piece to the movie Executive Action, released in 1973. By that time, part of the mythology of the Kennedy assassination included the mysterious deaths of people who were connected with it. By the mid-1960s, people in Dallas already were whispering about the number of persons who died under strange or questionable circumstances. Well, into the 1980s, witnesses and others were hesitant to come forward with information because of the stories of strange and sudden death which seemed to visit anyone with information about the assassination. It appears
1: as though something has happened route, something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route. There's numerous people running up the hill alongside Elm Street, there by the Simmons Freeway. Several police officers are rushing up the hill at this time. Stand by. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time some 38 minutes ago. to the fact that I live in Missouri. I'm just a, sure a part of the president. He's been shot. He's been shot. Eddie Oswald has been shot. There's a the man with a gun.
0: Welcome to the End of Innocence. I'm your host, John Young. Last week we looked at the strange and mysterious death of reporter Dorothy Cagallan. She was the reporter who said she was going to blow the lid off the Kennedy assassination, and then she was dead. For the next several episodes, we're going to look at other strange and mysterious deaths that occurred of witnesses and others that were related to the assassination. In 1977, due to the unusual number of deaths, the House Select Committee on Assassinations felt compelled to look into the situation. But the committee, stating that it could not make a valid study due to the large number of people involved and the odd manner of many of the deaths, decided it would be unable to come up with any valid conclusions in the time limits allotted to the committee. Of particular interest, especially to investigators and researchers, is the fact that the greatest number of deaths coincided with the four main investigations conducted by government entities. The Warren Commission, 1964 and 1965. The Jim Garrison investigation of New Orleans Connection and later Clay Shaw, 1965-69. through 69. The Senate Committee investigation, 1974-76 and the House Committee on Assassinations Investigation, 1976-79. By graphing out the dates of death, it was discovered that they peaked in the months leading up to and during the above-named inquiries, sometimes with an important witness being killed or committing suicide only days or hours prior to their scheduled testimony. Interesting. Like I stated before, in the next several episodes, we're going to look at some of the most important of the so-called strange or mysterious deaths of those related to or witnessed the assassination of President Kennedy. The first and probably most important of these mysterious deaths was Lee Harvey Oswald on November 24, 1963. He was the first and most important dead witness. He was killed by being shot in the side by nightclub owner and mafia link Jack Ruby. Ruby later died in jail of what he described as an assassination by cancer. The next strange death is Jack Zangretti in December 1963. He was a mob figure and was the manager of the Red Lobster, a gambling resort and motel located at Lake Lugard, Oklahoma. The lake is located between the small towns of Hobart and Altus, a little over 200 miles northwest of Dallas. The resort, which cost over $300,000, was on a par with many of the gambling casino hotels in Las Vegas. At a time when gambling and drinking were illegal in Oklahoma, the club flourished. High rollers from all over the country made appearances and had clandestine meetings at the Red Lobster, and law enforcement officials seemed not to notice anything odd about the resort. On November 23, 1963, the day after the assassination when Oswald was in Dallas police custody, Zangretti told friends that, quote, a man named Jack Ruby will kill Oswald tomorrow, and in a few days, a member of the Frank Sinatra family will be kidnapped just to take some of the attention away from the assassination, end quote. Jack Ruby did kill Oswald, and Frank Sinatra's son was kidnapped, which made national headlines. Two weeks later, Zangretti was found floating in Lake Lugard with bullet holes in his chest. According to the medical examiner, he was estimated to have died at least a week earlier. The Red Lobster ceased to exist a few months later. It was demolished and all traces of its existence were removed. Only the weed-covered foundations remain today. Zangretti's cause of death? Multiple gunshot wounds. Did we have Warren Reynolds in January 1964? He was not murdered, but was supposed to be. Reynolds heard the shot that killed J.D. Tippett, the Dallas police officer who was murdered in Oak Cliff, section of Dallas, just after the assassination. Reynolds, who operated the Reynolds Motor Company on Jefferson Boulevard, just west of the Tippett murder scene, heard the shots and saw a man carrying a pistol running south on Patton Avenue. Reynolds gave chase, but lost the man after one block. Reynolds was not questioned that day by either the Dallas police, the sheriff's office, or the FBI. It was not until January 21, 1964, two months after the assassination, that he was interviewed by the FBI. This interview only took place after Reynolds had appeared on both radio and television shows regarding his knowledge of the incident. Reynolds refused to identify Oswald as the man he saw running away from the Tippett murder shooting, which deflated the Dallas Police Department and FBI's case against Oswald as the lone killer. Within two days of being interviewed by the FBI regarding what he had seen on the day of the Tippett shooting, an attempt was made to eliminate Reynolds. On January 23, 1964, at approximately 9.15 p.m., Reynolds entered the office of his car dealership, went down to the basement, and flipped on the light switch. Nothing happened and the room remained dark. Thinking that a fuse had blown, Reynolds walked across the room to the fuse box. As he reached the box, someone hiding in the shadows raised a .22 caliber rifle and shot Reynolds in the head at almost point-blank range. As the assailant fled the scene, Reynolds, who did not die, stumbled up the stairs to the telephone and quickly summoned help. Somehow, Warren Reynolds survived the attack. The Dallas police later arrested a local petty criminal named Daryl Wayne Garner for the shooting. But Garner was released after being provided with an alibi by Betty Mooney McDonald, one of Jack Ruby's strippers. Shortly after Garner's release, someone attempted to abduct Reynolds' 10-year-old daughter. Then, failing that, he began receiving vile threats and other forms of intimidation, including someone creeping into his front porch one night and unscrewing his porch light bulb. Reynolds by this time was understandably terrified and sought help from the FBI. His FBI report, dated June 15, 1964, stated that Mr. Reynolds advised that he is scared as a result of his having been shot through the head after the assassination of President Kennedy, whose shooting, he states, he feels is connected with the fact that he had witnessed Lee Harvey Oswald running with a gun from the scene of the shooting of Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett, end quote. Reynolds, who changed his mind after being shot in the head, had by June decided to identify Oswald as the shooter and then remarkably chose the FBI to report this change of heart. No mention is made why Mr. Reynolds thought that doing this would relay the message to the perpetrators and thereby eliminate their interest in him. The FBI report concluded with, quote, Mr. Reynolds felt his life was in danger. He was further advised that the FBI did not have jurisdiction with respect to investigating his shooting, end quote. This statement is interesting. Since the FBI also did not have jurisdiction to investigate the Dallas homicide of John F. Kennedy, in 1963, there was not a federal law covering a presidential assassination and the killing of JFK was, quite simply, a Texas homicide. By July of 1964, Reynolds had decided that Oswald was indeed the man who he saw running away from the Tippett shooting. So the cause of death here is none. Reynolds was the only witness who survived the attempt on his life. And barely. Here's Warren Reynolds in an interview he did with Mark Lane in 1966. Mr. Reynolds, where are you employed? At the
1: Giant Reynolds Motor Company. And were you working there on November 22, 1963? Yes, sir. How close is the used car lot which you work to the scene of the tip of killing? One blown. Were you there at about 1 o'clock on the 22nd? Yes, sir. And then what happened? What did you see? What did you hear? We were listening to the radio about the assassination, and we heard these shots, and we ran out on this porch, and we saw this gunman running up the street. And I followed him for a block until I lost him. And then I was going back to the used car lot, and this policeman stopped me and asked me what had happened. And I, I told him that I had seen this man with a gun, and I had followed him, and I lost him. So he took the description in my name, stuff like that and while I was talking to him some television camera was taking the pictures and after that I went on back to the used car line. Were you questioned by agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation or the United States Secret Service during November 1963? No I sure wouldn't. Were you questioned by FBI agents or Secret Service agents during December 1963? No sir. Were you questioned by FBI agents or Secret Service agents during January, 64? Yes, sir, I was. When was that, sir? That was on January the 21st. Two agents come out and they talked to me and asked me what I had seen. And I told them and they showed me three pictures. You were questioned by agents of the FBI on January 21st, 64. Then what happened? Two days after that, as I was close enough to use Carlot one night, Uh, when i went downstairs to turn off the lights some gunman was hidden down there and he shot me he shot me through the glasses in in the bullet lodge right over here mr reynolds who knew about your questioning by the fbi between the time that you were actually questioned by them and the time that you were shot two days later just friends and of course my family the commission concluded on page 663 of its report but it was wild speculation for anyone to think that there might have been a connection between the fact that you were shot in January and the fact that you observed the gunman flee from the tippet scene. What is your comment, sir? Uh, if they would catch the man and prove that he that he did do it, we could figure out from there whether he was connected or not. And until then, I don't believe anybody is smart enough to say whether he whether it is connection or not.
0: Now let's look at the death of Eddie Benavidez in February of 1964. Shortly after 1 p.m. on the day Kennedy was assassinated, Officer J.D. Tippett cruised through the streets of Oak Cliff, reportedly looking for someone matching Lee Harvey Oswald's description. The description of the killer had been established and broadcast in a remarkable short time after the shooting in Dealey Plaza. Officer Tippett pulled to the curb on 10th Street when he supposedly saw a man walking down the street that matched Oswald's physical description. What exactly happened next will never be known, but what is known is this. Tippa was shot dead outside of his police car, his body crumpling to the street near the front left fender. Two witnesses arrived almost immediately afterwards, both observing a fleeing man, neither of which matched Joswalt's description. One of the witnesses was Domingo Benavides, the brother of Eddie, who was an auto mechanic that happened to be driving by in his work truck. Domingo pulled to a stop within 25 feet of Tippett's marked police unit, saw the officer's body lying in the street, and jumped out to use Tippett's radio to call in the shooting to the dispatcher. Benavidez also found two spent pistol cartridge casings, noted that they were 38 automatic casings, and held onto them until a Dallas police officer, J.M. Poe, arrived at the scene. Benavides gave the casings to Poe, who inscribed his initials on them to maintain the chain of evidence, then explained what he had seen. Incredibly, the casings were changed from 38 Automatic, which is a short cartridge designed to fit a 38 semi automatic pistol, to a 38 Special Revolver Casing by the time they appeared at the Warren Commission hearings. The 38 Super or Semi Automatic pistol cartridge has a rimless case and will not work in a 38 revolver cylinder. Poe's initials had also disappeared. Domingo gave a description of Tippett's killer, but it did not match Lee Harvey Oswald. His suspect had dark curly hair and the physical and clothing description was wrong. Because of this, Benavidez was not taken to headquarters to view the lineup and his interview was cut short, even though he was the closest witness to the scene of the Tippett murder. Benavidez began receiving death threats after it was publicized that he had seen someone other than Oswald at the scene of the Tippett murder. These threats became fact when just 10 weeks after the killing, Domingo's brother Eddie, who greatly resembled Domingo, was shot in the head by an unknown assailant in an apparent case of mistaken identity. The assassin was never apprehended. Domingo always believed he was the intended target of his brother's murder and it was a case of mistaken identity. Cause of death, murder, gunshot wound to the head. Now let's look at Betty Mooney McDonald, who died on February 13, 1964. Betty Mooney McDonald, also known as Betty Jane Mooney and Nancy Jane Mooney, was the Jack Ruby stripper who provided the alibi for Daryl Wayne Garner regarding his participation in the attempted murder of Warren Reynolds. According to the FBI, Mooney on February 5, 1964, gave an affidavit substantiating Garner's whereabouts on the night of January 23, even though Garner had previously admitted to his sister that he had shot Reynolds. Mooney stated that she had been with Garner on the night in question, and that there was no way Garner could have been on the scene of the attempted murder. This done, Mooney faded into the background for a few days as the police chased other leads on the Kennedy assassination. But at 2.45 a.m. on February 13th, Mooney was arrested by Dallas officers and charged with, quote, disturbing the peace. It is interesting to note that the charge stemmed from an altercation Mooney had with a girlfriend, but the friend was not taken into custody. Mooney was transported to the Dallas City Jail and placed in a cell. When Mooney was checked on later, she was found dead, suspended from the roof of her cell by her trousers there would be no change of mind regarding the whereabouts of Daryl Garner on the night Warren Reynolds was shot. Cause of death? Suicide by hanging. Here's one of the heroes of the research community, Penn Jones, on October 27, 1966, speaking about Betty Mooney McDonald.
2: I think the conspirators uh, in the main got away with it, and I think there are some deaths still taking place as a result of those people, as... Uh consequence of those people having uh, unusual information. You said there's some deaths taking place. Uh, Would you explain that? Well, I'll list uh, a number of them for you, uh, starting with uh, Warren Reynolds, who was uh, one of the two people who got a good look at the Tippett Killer escaping. Uh, Warren Reynolds wasn't sure that it was Oswald, and a few weeks after the assassination, he was uh, shot through the head, and after a few months in the hospital, he did recover Uh, He thought maybe that it probably was Oswald. Uh, There was a fellow named Garner arrested for the uh, uh, shooting of of, uh, Reynolds, and his alibi was a girl named uh, Betty Mooney McDonald. McDonald was arrested a week after she sprung uh, Garner and was arrested for fighting with a roommate and uh, was taken to the jail, and an hour later, she was found hanged in her cell. Then we'll go to Hank Killam, who was the husband of uh, Wanda Joyce Killam, who worked at Ruby's Carousel Club. Hank Killam was a good friend of uh, John Carter, who lived at the Oswald rooming house. Now, uh, Mrs. Killam told me that shortly after the assassination, her husband, who was a house painter, was hounded from job to job in Dallas by what she uh, classified as federal agents. We don't know who they were. Mr. Jones, do you think these people were killed because of what they knew, or...? Uh, to me, it seems that when we're, uh, we're talking about more than a dozen people, we, it seems to me that they died because they either had unusual information or they had the opportunity to talk to Oswald or Ruby alone after they committed their part in history.
0: In that very brief interview, Penn Jones mentioned Thomas Henry Hank Killam, who died on March 17, 1964. Hank Killam, the husband of Ruby stripper Wanda Joyce Killam, was one of the few possible witnesses to a Ruby-Oswald connection. Killam, who had worked as a house painter with John Carter, who was a boarder at the boarding house at 1026 North Beckley, where Oswald lived, might have been able to provide evidence that Oswald knew Jack Ruby long before the fatal Ruby-Oswald encounter of November 24, 1963. But Killam would never get the chance to testify before the Warren Commission or anywhere else. He was found dead, his throat cut wide open, his body thrown through a department store window in Pensacola, Florida, less than four months after the assassination. Killam's death aroused suspicions in county solicitor Carr Harper's mind, who in 1967 began a nationally publicized investigation. During the investigation, Harper discovered that Killam had fled Dallas, moved to Pensacola, then Tampa, then back to Pensacola to escape so-called agents that were after him. Hank Killam told his brother Earl that, I'm a dead man. I've run as far as I'm going to run. His death was ruled suicide by the police, an accident by the local coroner. Hank Killam's brother summed up the suspicious circumstances of Killam's death when he stated, quote, Did you ever hear of a man committing suicide by jumping through a plate glass window? End quote. Killam's cause of death? Suicide by slash throat. Once again, here's Penn Jones talking about some of the mysterious deaths.
1: We are at the office of Penn Jones Jr. in Midlothian, Texas, 25 miles from the Dallas courthouse. For the past two years, he alone in the Dallas area has conducted an independent investigation into the assassination of President Kennedy. Well, I love President Kennedy
3: very much. I was one of the few weekly newspapers that covered the Ruby trial. And my actual investigating did not begin until I started reading the Warren report and realized that something was very, very much amiss in reading that report. I really believe that the only way you can believe the Warren report is to not read it. Have you found it difficult to uncover the facts this time? Yes, it's very difficult. Witnesses are reluctant. Some of them have gone into hiding or at least... uh, cannot be found by me and many in many cases the police have actually told or in some case some witnesses say federal authorities have told them not to talk about the assassination uh, the witnesses are frightened uh, some of them uh, went into hiding I'm, I'm sure that I spent at least one month searching for Erlene Roberts and I don't know of any person any newsman or any investigator that talked to Erlene Roberts after she testified before the Warren Commission, and her testimony was
1: quite startling. Now, of course, she is dead, and she's not the only one. There are at least eight persons now dead, either from murder or at least strange deaths who were closely related to Jack Ruby or Lee Harvey Oswald. Can you give us one, one instance uh, of a witness... Uh, who died a
3: strange death. Well, let's take the case of Betty Mooney MacDonald, one of Jack Ruby's strippers. A fellow named Warren Reynolds saw a man running from the scene of the tippet slay. Shortly thereafter, Reynolds was shot through the head. Now, before Reynolds was shot, he could not identify the man running from the scene as Oswald. Then he was shot through the head, and a fellow named Garner was arrested then McDonald was the alibi for Garner. She said Garner could not have shot Reynolds because he was with me at the time. Two days after her alibi, Mooney, Betty Mooney McDonald was arrested for fighting with a roommate, although the roommate was not arrested. McDonald was put in jail that night, and an hour later she was found hanged in her cell. And of course the Dallas police said she hung herself. Did Reynolds finally testified before the commission. After Reynolds recovered from his wound, he testified and was able to identify Oswald. That's one of the uh, examples, and there there are many others. Bill Hunter was shot through the heart in the police station out in uh, Long Beach, California. Cody, Jim Cody, on the Times-Herald, was killed by a karate chop to the throat uh, in his apartment in Dallas. And the man that uh, was the most likely... A suspect was not even indicted for the murder. The death of uh, Tom Howard is a very strange one. He said he died of an apparent heart attack. There was no autopsy. But I know personally that Tom Howder Howard was acting very strangely three days before he died. I and other people who saw him felt like that he was very frightened. Three days later, he was dead. Now, he was the man
1: who saw Jack Ruby first after the killing of Oswald. Well, whether these deaths are related to the assassination or not, uh, does the fact that witnesses have died in this fashion uh, tend to make it more difficult to secure statements from those witnesses
3: who have survived? Certainly, there is very little evidence, uh, firsthand evidence, left. Uh, with the erasing of the lives of uh, Tippett and Oswald and, uh, and these other people who, who were, had first-hand conversations with either Ruby or Oswald, that has made the gathering of evidence very difficult. And the continued threats uh, on these people who still have evidence makes them hesitant to talk, and it makes anyone trying to do investigative work very, very difficult. I would love to see a computer uh, faced with the problem of coming up with the probabilities in the, of the assassination taking place the way it did. With all of these strange incidents that took place before and are continuing to take place after the assassination. I think all of us who love our, this country should be
1: alerted that something is wrong in the land. In the three years after the murders of President Kennedy and Lee Harvey Oswald, 18 material witnesses died, six by gunfire, three in motor accidents, two by suicide, one from a cut throat, one from a karate chop to the neck, three from heart attacks, and two from natural causes. An actuary engaged by the London Sunday Times concluded that on November twenty second, 1963, the odds against these witnesses being dead by February 1967 were 100,000 trillion to one.
0: Next time on The End of Innocence the JFK Assassination, we'll continue to look at some of these mysterious deaths of witnesses who had connections to the assassination. We will take a look of the death of a shady figure out of New Orleans. Also, a couple of people who seemed to know that the assassination was going to take place days before it would happen. We'll see you next week.